0: Hi, my name is Dr. John Ewart. I'm the director of the Pastor Center for Pastoral Leadership and Preaching here at Southeastern. And we're continuing in our Authenticity Series on the theme of marriage and divorce and remarriage in the local church. Let me encourage you if you're watching this that on the same website you can also see a wedding workshop where we have a panel of professors and pastors and we actually choreograph a wedding. And then there's also a casual conversation chapel that took place on our campus with several of our professors involved with that, all talking about the issues of marriage and divorce and remarriage and, and how that affects local church ministry. But we weren't done with the subject matter and what we're trying to put together is a really good package for you to use. And so it, it really is my honor and privilege to be joined today by a couple of scholars that we really need to speak into this issue. And so obviously Dr. Danny Aiken, our President and Professor of Preaching and Theology here at Southeastern. And then Dr. Andreas Kostenberger. we're glad that you're with us, our Senior Research Professor yes in the areas of New Testament biblical theology and obviously an author in this area, both of you have written in these areas. And so we were not able to capture you during the chapel, you were gone. And so I wanted to make sure we had a time with you and then we, we thought it, well, what a great time to sit down with you and just have a conversation mm-hmm. together. Because one of the things that we didn't do in some of these other sessions was really exegete some of the pertinent biblical passages that related to this issue. And so we need to, we need to go back and let's take a look. And so in this first session let's, let's just focus on Old Testament passages related to marriage, divorce, remarriage. Uh, we've, we have brought our Bibles and, and we hope that you'll follow along and just, and just listen as we discuss some of these passages together. Uh, this will give you a great, uh, if you are a pastor watching this or a teacher of Scripture uh, Here's some passages you might want to reference yourself. So let, let's think in terms of passages like Genesis 1 and 2, especially Genesis 2 where we see marriage, we see man and woman come together. We see the, the covenant of marriage uh, established. And, and let's just talk about what is marriage, what is the Biblical purpose of marriage for a few moments just to kind of warm us up as we walk through this together. And then we are going to jump over to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 24 and really dive into the divorce issues. But the, Dr. Kostenberger let's just talk for a few moments. Andreas what, what are some of the reasons why you know marriage is, was created? What are the purposes of marriage? Um, And just some of those characteristics of marriage we need to be aware of straight out of Genesis 2.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's a privilege for me to have that conversation because I know we all deeply care about Mm -hmm. marriage and the family. And it's such a wonderful subject. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we get caught up in some of the controversy. But when you think about it, God's design, the way it was originally set up, is beautiful, it's wise, it's good. Uh, It glorifies Him. It's good for us. And so i I just full of joy just looking at that subject and looking at God's original design the way it's laid out in in Genesis 1 and 2. uh, In Genesis 1, I think what we see is that, that as part of God's creation of the universe at large, He makes as the culmination the man and the woman in His image, which I think means that they are His representatives. Uh, who are made in his likeness to rule and govern the earth for him. And the way they do that is by multiplying, by filling the earth, by uh, uh, procreating children. And then Genesis 2 is some sort of a zoom lens that that shows us specifically now how did God make the man and the woman. We see that he made the man first, uh, gave him certain commands. The man is already involved in, in, in governing uh, creation. Right. And then there's one thing startlingly in the creation narrative that is not good. Everything else right. up to that point had been right. good, which is that the man doesn't have a companion. And so right. then. Uh, the familiar uh, creation story, uh, God uh, takes the rip from the man, he, he makes the woman from the man for the man, brings them to him uh, as his uh, partner, as his uh, suitable helper sure. uh, and then you see the excitement on the man's part this is yes. now bone of my bone, flesh of my f- flesh and, and so you see the enthusiasm, you see the uh, you know the one flesh union that they're uh, naked and not ashamed Right. and uh, if the fall had not occurred uh, we would not even
0: have this conversation because yeah. everything would be marital bliss, and, and and you bring up a really good point, I think, and I think this is something that, that because we're probably going to focus more on the negative side of, of divorce and remarriage issues to some degree, mm-hmm. but but as a as a pastor as a preacher, you know. Let's not forget to talk about the positives of marriage. Let's not talk about how great this is and how wonderful this is. Sometimes I think in our culture, all we're gonna focus upon are some of the, the negative issues we're surrounded with and the decisions we have to make and some of the problems we have to face, but, but not to forget that, that in the beginning, how good this was Absolutely. and how wonderful this was and to, yeah. to not hold, that, hold back from our people these concepts and of course you do this a lot in some of your your marriage enrichment family enrichment type preaching and teaching and conferencing that you do Dr. Akin to, to talk about the great things about marriage and how wonderful it is. Well I like where
2: Andreas began and where we began because we need to start with the ideal sure with the picture that God gave us before Genesis 3 and sin basically brought about so much uh, disruption and actually that's where the battle of the sexist begins but it was a good thing that God gave us uh, when he put a man and a woman together we wow. do complement each other we do bear his image his in, uh, intention was that we would flourish and multiply and enjoy one another and we can see that restored in Christ which is what you see in Ephesians chapter 5 which we will talk about later but yes we should not lose that beautiful biblical picture that you have before sin entered in and messed everything up. right
0: but unfortunately, sin enters in. Yes. And so we see the, the devastating results of Genesis 3, and of course part of that result is upon marriage.
2: Yeah, all you gotta do is read the rest of Genesis and you see what a mess oh, uh, sin has uh, brought about when it comes to a man and a woman rightly relating to one another. It's just story after story after story of dysfunction uh, and the need for God to step in with grace and bring restoration and
0: reconciliation uh, and get things back on the right path again. Sure. So, so let's leap ahead and let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 24. There, there are several passages. Obviously, we're, we're only covering some passages. There are so many verses, so many passages that we could talk about as far as the devastation of sin, obviously. But in, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, especially in those first four or five verses, we, we see the law of divorce. We see this idea of, of divorce in the law and this mm-hmm. idea of God granting um, this idea and 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 recognizing that that this was going to take place. So let so let's talk about this for a second. First of all, should we address this idea of of is every single divorce sin? You know, is 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 there sin in every divorce that takes place? That's a that's something we ought to address as we think about this passage and then as we describe this passage. So what about that thought? Is 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 every divorce sin?
1: Well, uh, it's a tricky question because, of course, it was not part of God's original plan. So in that sense, clearly uh, sin is involved every time the divorce occurs. Uh, I think we'll talk probably later about the question, is it always sinful to divorce? Right, which is we a will. That's right. Good. related question. So there's a context and then are specifics that fall within that context. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. Good. So in this case, Deuteronomy 24, uh, as Jesus Puts it in context later on this is a concession to the fact that divorce quickly became a fact of life after the fall and it seems the way i read the passage the main, the main burden is to say that if a man divorces his wife and then she remarries someone else then uh, if, if her second husband passes away or if there's another divorce then the first husband cannot go back and remarry her because Mm -hmm. she's been defiled through that you know second uh, marriage Mm -hmm. so again it's there really to protect the woman and to uh, to guard against frivolous divorce i think andres made a good point there's
2: a concession right it was never god's design for divorce to take place but we need to be honest we live now uh, on the other side of eden in a fallen broken fractured world Divorce is a reality. It is going to happen in grace. Mm -hmm. God steps in and provides guidelines and regulations to try to minimize the pain and the hurt that is the result of divorce. And I think that's exactly what he's doing here in Deuteronomy 24 in particular, looking after the woman who in this day and age and in this cultural context was in a much disadvantaged position from the man. In fact, to not have some relationship with a father or a husband or brother put a woman in this day and age in dire straits and so God is being gracious in spite of the fallenness of the world in which we live to interject His plans and His purposes and to try to again bring protection where protection is so desperately needed.
0: Yeah, that's good and we don't often think about divorce and grace necessarily in the same context I think. No, but I
1: think we make a mistake when we do But I think it's very helpful. I think Mm -hmm. it's
0: very helpful, yeah.
1: I think the other thing about Deuteronomy 24 and its significance is that it's an important backdrop for Matthew 19 when the Pharisees come to Jesus so I'm sure we'll pick that up later on. that's right,
0: and that's really important for everybody to hear because if you really want to understand I think what's going on in the New Testament obviously I mean we would say that all the time but you always need to go back and reflect upon what's happening in the Old Testament because certainly Jesus is going to be referencing these kinds of of passages. So throughout the Old Testament then in in, in various aspects of the Law and the Prophets, we see various things said. One of the more famous, one of the more popularly quoted verses is in Malachi. In that Malachi 2 passage where we know that God hates this thing that, that is often translated divorce and some people debate about what that word really is. So in Malachi chapter 2, verse 16 especially, uh, many translations are going to say divorce. Let's talk about that. What, what does Malachi mean here? What is he saying? What, what do you think, Dr. Casabird?
1: Well, uh, the traditional uh, rendering of that verse, as you mentioned, is that God hates divorce. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's quotable, and that is what we believe is clearly true. God right. hates divorce. Sure. It's not part of his original plan, so it resonates with what we already believe, but uh, it seems like uh, some people have looked at the Hebrew and feel like perhaps in context, uh, an alternative way to render this would be that the subject of that statement is not God, but is actually the husband. Mm. And that there ought to be a, uh, the word and interjected. So the ESV, which I have in front of me here, right. actually says for the man who hates and divorces. Ah. So if so, the hmm. concern there would be, and really Malachi 2.10 is the, uh, you know, the context there where it talks about uh, people in Malachi they they being, uh, you know, unfaithful right. to the covenant, the marriage right. covenant. Uh, So the idea here then being that, uh, uh, again, uh, Malachi is speaking out against frivolous divorce, against either hateful divorce. Some people believe the Hebrew actually hate means to have lost affection for the wife. So it'd be essentially discouraging, uh, just like you might say today, trivial grounds for divorce just because I don't love her
0: anymore. right.
1: Uh, I think what we can say is there is some debate about
2: the specifics of the verse. right? I don't think there's any debate about the spirit of the, of the verse. Okay. He's trying to once more reaffirm divorce was not a part of God's ideal plan. Right. It would not be a reality had sin not entered into the world. We, we make a very foolish statement, John, if we say, well, that was a divorce made in heaven. There are no divorces made in heaven. Divorces take place down here as a result of a fallen, broken, fractured world. Now, they do happen. And so we need to recognize that. And I think we, again, make a huge mistake if uh, we put the the scarlet D, so to speak, on people's chest and mark them off as if they somehow have sinned more egregiously than others. That, that, unfortunately, was a part of evangelical and even fundamentalist culture. And I don't think there's any way you can justify that by Scripture. What you can justify is God is always pushing back against this thing. And when it does take place, He's trying to provide protection to minimize the pain and the suffering that does result any time a divorce takes place. Even when there's one where you just have a really messed up marriage and it allows someone, so to speak, to get out of it. The fact of the matter is there's still pain, there's scars no matter what. And God's design through his grace and mercy is to keep those things to a minimum. Sure. Sure.
0: Excellent. These are outstanding points, and and again, as we continue our discussions, we're gonna we're gonna move over to the New Testament in just a few moments, and and uh, we'll do that in our next session. But but to think in terms of, of of how do I contextually think in terms of a 21st century divorce situation compared to a biblical uh, context as far as the the. the the, the, uh, the, the, the idea that what, the women, what women might have had as their recourse, what, what, kind of, mm-hmm. what kind of opportunities that women might have had, and the fact that there, there might be some protection of the innocent that's taking place in some of these passages. And, and we'll continue that thought as well. One of the things I want to do before we switch this session is I just wanted to, to comment uh, during our chapel and the casual conversation several of our students asked questions and mm-hmm. they were submitted. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to hit some of these questions that weren't touched there but they're just page after page after page. So it's interesting. We'll see how much we can get to. They are as we get into our next session. Thank you guys for this.